You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Broadcasting from the place where America won its freedom in the heart of Hampton Roads, it's the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1 on a Monday. Kicking off the week, trying to do it right. Robbie Vogler keeping us up and running, as he always does. We're about to have the most exciting auction of the NFL season coming up. How much would you give up to the Chicago Bears if you had a chance at the number one overall pick? Because the bidding has begun. It's going to be the most exciting auction of the NFL season, offseason, whatever you want to call it. The offseason is the season. The Bears are leaning towards selling the number one overall pick. That according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. I'll read you that tweet in a second. But what that really means is the opening bell to the auction. What that really means is you're about to have one of those guys that uh, wears a cowboy hat and speaks really fast. up there. Do, do, do I hear... What would you give up for the number one overall pick? 757-687-9494. That's the call-in line. That's also the Dream Lawns text line. 757-687-9494. The combine is getting started tomorrow, which means all the agents, all the, the GMs, everybody's going to be fraternizing. And with that comes the first unofficially official offers for that that number one pick, right? Hey, Ryan Poles, GM of the, the Bears. I'm just spitballing here, but what about, would that be something you might be interested in? Right, you just throw out, nah, just, just feeling, testing the waters. The tweet for, uh, sorry, this is from an ESPN article. Uh, the Bears have been approached by multiple teams about trading the number one pick in this year's NFL draft, and Chicago is said to be, quote, leaning toward, close quote, moving the pick, sources told ESPN's Adam Schefter. Oh, boy. There's going to be a market and a half. It's going to be a bustling market for the pick. There's going to be a bidding war of sorts. Field Yates of ESPN put out the teams that he thinks are going to be most active. The Texans, the Colts, the Raiders, the Falcons, and the Panthers. Do you know what makes that really interesting to watch? First of all, they all have top 10 picks. So you have the Texans at number two, the Colts at number four, the Raiders at seven, the Falcons at eight, the Panthers at nine. So everybody at least has something they can offer up to the Bears where it's like you're still going to get a really good player in this draft. You don't have to punt your improving this offseason for the future completely. But it gets really interesting when you start looking at these teams. One, they're all quarterback thirsty. The Texans, I mean, we know how their last franchise quarterback ended up, right? Deshaun Watson. They, they desperately want a new era. And and I don't think the Davis Mills era is something that is going to make them forget about the Deshaun Watson era, right? They want somebody new to come in and be the face of the franchise. The Colts, they've, they've simply struck out on their last, what, six quarterbacks? I guess they didn't strike out with Andrew Luck, but that kind of started the next the, the next wave. The Raiders, they moved on from Derek Carr, and they don't want to look foolish. They don't want to move on from Derek Carr and not have anybody. 
The Falcons, they're reportedly ready to sell the farm for for Lamar Jackson, so you know they are in all in on the new quarterback. And the Panthers, again, that's another team that's that's shuffled through them, right? And they have, by the way, an owner that's that's very impatient and a coaching staff that's ready to win now. They're all quarterback thirsty. It gets even more interesting. The Texans and Colts, pair them together. The Falcons and Panthers, pair them together. They're in the same division. So that is a fierce bidding war because it's not only I want to get our team the best quarterback in the draft, but it's also I want to keep the best quarterback in the draft from that team. Right? Think think about it like this. You're Houston. You have the number two pick. You only have the number two pick because you foolishly won in week 18, but that's another story. You have the number two pick. You might have one quarterback ahead of the rest. But maybe it's close, right? Maybe you're Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, right? Say, eh, you know what? I like Bryce more or I like C.J. more, but it's close. Some years you might say, I'm just going to sit at two and let one fall to us. But what if the Colts jump ahead of you? Now you're sitting there going, wait, wait, wait a minute. It's fine that we got the second of our two because it was close, but it's not fine that the number one of our two is going to be in our division playing against us for the next 15 years. You know what? Let's call the Bears. Let's call them. Let's get them on the phone. Let's see what it's going to take. The Bears, meanwhile, are sitting there just twiddling thumbs, waiting by the phone. Is it ringing yet? Is it ringing? Who's going who's gonna to break the bank for us? Is it ringing, ringing yet? No? Okay, fine. We'll wait. And if it gets crazy, guess what they're going to do? Just leak that the Colts made an offer. Leak that the Panthers made an offer just to get the Falcons moving a little bit. Right? They'll call up the Panthers and say, hey, uh, what are you thinking about the number one pick? And then they'll leak. We had conversations with the Panthers about the number one pick. Falcons have to come because they don't want to play against the number one guy for 15 years. It is a, a nice little uh, aligning of the planets for the Bears. There's one last thing that needs to happen. They have to root for one quarterback to rise above the rest. I, I can't tell you. Uh, I've noticed or I've had people bring it to my attention that Will Levis's odds to be the number one overall pick went from like plus 3,000 to plus 700 at one point a couple weeks ago. So, so basically Vegas was saying he's much more likely to be the number one pick. Just over this past weekend, we saw Anthony Richardson do the exact same thing, go from like plus 3,000 to plus 700 roughly. Bryce Young was the betting favorite. CJ Stroud was seen as the safer option. So the, the, the only thing that's really holding the value down for, for Chicago right now is – Intel, right? If if, if I don't, the Falcons, if the Intel is out there that the Falcons like Anthony Richardson, and the Panthers are like we have him fourth, maybe they aren't as as devoted to go make sure they block that that from happening. So what the Bears need right now is for somebody to go nuts, meaning, and that's positive. That's positive for me. Go nuts, I guess, could be like. Uh, a negative but for me going nuts is like going bananas it's all positive they need one of them to just dominate in interviews right be the most charismatic person at the whiteboard you've ever seen with an answer to everything 
or have someone like Anthony Richardson run like a 4-2-9, throw it 85 yards, uh, check all the boxes, you know, have 45-inch vert, and I'm exaggerating, but only a little bit, just have somebody go absolutely nuts in the, in the testing or somebody throw way better. They want one to rise above the rest, and as soon as that happens, the Bears, I mean, then then they go cash lottery tickets and, and they just get excited. Or hex. I guess if that could happen too much, they might go ask, "What do you want for? What do you give us for Justin Fields?" But but if they're committed to staying with Fields, then the next month is going to be really really fun. Two months maybe, leading all the way up to the draft. Who knows how long they hold it? But it will be uh, very very exciting. The bidding has begun, and and. You know, like any good uh, eBay auction or, or anything like that, right? It's almost the rush that is going to get Like, you can get caught up in it, right? When I lived in Nebraska, they used to do – this is this is a story that, I, that doesn't even make sense to me. Uh, but they had a road race where you they would shut down a road and you could bring, like, your supercars. They'd have Lamborghinis and from all over the country. And you could drive as fast as you wanted. You could just – it was a race, like, on a road. And I, I – Again, it doesn't make much sense to me, but uh, it was really fun to watch. You'd see like all the coolest cars, but uh, they would do an auction for car batteries, and it was literally just a way for all these rich guys with all these supercars to give money back to the race, and it was just a regular, like a like a car battery you could get for whatever, 85 bucks at, at Pep Boys, whatever, whatever the auto dealer or auto thing that you use. Um, and the, the, they'd go for thousands and thousands of dollars. Now, I know it was partially like they were just trying to give back to the the organization and they just they wanted to be able to keep driving this road course you know, next year. But I 95% think they all planned on like, oh, give $500. And then some other guy with another supercar is bidding it up and they just get caught up in the action. And that could actually happen on the grandest stage for the number one overall pick. Where it's like, we we said we would give three first-round picks for it and no more. Suddenly they're like, three first, two seconds, a third, and we'll give you a young defensive player. It's like, what? Wait, wait, well, who? Well, I just, sorry, they got a little carried away. I can cancel that, right? Nope, lock, sealed, delivered. What would you give for the number one pick? I mean, those five teams, if there's a quarterback I love, I don't think there's a price too high. Those five teams. Now, if I'm, you know, the Jets, if I'm Washington, if I have a team that I think can win with less, right? You don't need a superstar elite number one quarterback. Uh, then, then I'm I'm talking myself down a little bit. But for those five teams, I mean, I'm I'm shopping in the expensive aisle, and I'm aware, right? I'm, I've walked into the store with the knowledge that it's going to be expensive. How much would you pay? 757-687-9494. That's the call-in line. That's also the Dream Lawns text line. If it's truly up for sale, like Adam Schefter believes it is, what are you paying for the number one pick? 757-687-9494. Also, when we come back, the pitch clock was introduced in spring training across baseball, and uh, it ruined one game, and I'm really hoping it doesn't ruin a bunch more. Stick around. We're talking Major League Baseball right now on the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. And now what? He's out. They have called strike three. Wow! This is mayhem! Oh! Automatic strike. 
the ninth. This is baseball in 2023. Oh, the two-strike strikeout. That's it. Two outs at the bottom of the ninth. Is that what you wanted? Is that what you wanted? Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Some of you wanted quicker baseball games. Is that what you wanted? It's quicker, right? It's faster, shorter game, shorter time. You don't have to be out in the, the sun that long. You can, I guess, get onto the chores and errands that you had been putting off. Are you not entertained? The thing about the pitch clock rules, I don't really mind if someone makes it a priority that games should be quicker, should be faster, should be less time. I just want to find out if there's any way we can have a pitch clock rule in Major League Baseball that everyone follows but never has to be enforced. Is that not possible? Then I think you got to walk away from it. Right? I don't cuz I don't necessarily mind that games are going to be what 10 to 12% faster, less less duration. I don't mind that that both pitchers and hitters have to get used to playing faster and catching right back on the the, the rubber, right? Don't even leave the the batter's box. I don't I don't mind but I don't want it enforced. I don't want it affecting the game. Right? I guess it's working. I guess it's shortening games. So, hey, if that's the goal, way to go. It's just making shorter, worse games. Here's Jeff passing on GetUp. The, the most interesting thing so far to me, it's the numbers of all of the games so far. The average spring training game throughout last spring training, all of spring training, mind you, Greeny, was three hours and one minute. Throughout 35 games so far this spring, the average time of game has been two hours and 38 minutes. There have been six games over three hours, all of which have had 14 plus runs. There have been 12 games under two and a half hours. It's clear that this is already having the intended effect of Major League Baseball. And the only question at this point is how long is it going to take fans to go along with it the same way that players are going along with it already? Well, look, I want to push back a little bit about what Jeff Passan said there. And Jeff Passan's as connected as anybody in, in baseball. He said it's having the intended effect on Major League Baseball. I think that's more in the literal and not the, the like, that's more letter of the law than spirit of the rule. Meaning the intended effect is to make games shorter is, is what he's saying and it's working. I would argue the intended effect was to make games more entertaining. And I think it's, it's not doing that. I will hate it and be severely disappointed and, and, and very, very unentertained if games are decided by that rule. Right? Like I, right now, I don't think this is true. The, the the common kind of thought going behind this rule is that slow play ruins the full game watching experience. I don't necessarily think that's true. Like I've said this before. I'll say it again. I've never once had something I was enjoying and go, I really wish this was shorter. I've had things I was not enjoying and said, I really wish this was shorter. So maybe you want to make your product more entertaining rather than worrying about it being shorter. But if you think snow... If you think slow, not snow play, if you think slow play might be ruining the full game watching experience, deciding a game on a pitch clock violation or a hitter's clock violation ruins not only the full game watching experience, but also the highlight experience. If you're just catching up on that that Boston Atlanta game that we played, and it's just a spring training game, so I doubt you would be, but if that was a regular season game and you were just catching up on it, Right, you had to work that time. You you couldn't watch. It's ruined. 
It's ruined. And not to mention that if you watch the whole thing, it's ruined. In many cases, and I I say this with my chest, like I say this with full backing, in many cases, you watch an entire baseball game, all two, three, four hours, however long it takes, you watch the entire game with the hope and anticipation of one day getting to, or one, uh, not one day, at one time, getting to the situation where the entire game is on the line for an at-bat. And that anticipation is what makes that at-bat so awesome. Spring training game, the, the, the one we played, Boston and Atlanta, that was the bottom of the ninth. It was a tie ball game, bases loaded, full count. Like we watched, I don't care if it was a two-hour game, a three-hour game, I don't care if it was an 18-hour game. We watched that whole game, building up anticipation to get to the, the thing you imagine in your backyard. Full count, bases loaded, tie game. That's what you, that's what you play for. Cal Conley didn't get set in the batter's box with eight seconds left on the pitch clock. Game over. Do you know what happens in in the, when you make it up and you're in your backyard, right, and you're tossing it to yourself, but first you have to do the whole announcer's thing? Full count, bases loaded, tie game, steps to the, the plate, Tim Donnelly. Do you know what happens? If you, you foul tip it off or if you swing and a miss, and I'm talking like when you're a little kid, you make up a reason to do it again. Oh, but there was fan interference on the play. We're going to go back and see what happens again. If there ever was, oh, the pitch clock steps in. Like that's, you would use the pitch clock just as a ridiculous reason to get another hack at it. Game over. Go home. You waited all game building anticipation for that moment and it whimpered because of the pitch clock. See ya. Hey, at least it didn't take another 45 seconds, right? At least you got home in time to do whatever you you had next on the schedule. Like the part of baseball is the the whole storyline of it all. You do you ever see this one? And and it happens more in in college and the pros. Uh, but a game like called for darkness with two more outs left. So the next time they play, they especially if it's a close game, they're like, hey, you know, at three o'clock we'll finish the previous game and then we'll start the next one at four thirty. You ever try to just step into like a bottom of the the final inning atmosphere? It doesn't feel like it at all. You just step out there and it's like kind of weird. Feels like nothing's on the line even though a win is on the line. It's because you didn't have that full situation of getting there. The anticipation, the journey was half the excitement. So baseball might be making the journey shorter, but there's also the opening to ruin the end of the journey. That's terrible. Again, like I, I wish there was a way, and this is like my utopia, right? This is probably unattainable, but it's what my goal would be, that you could have a pitch clock rule that everybody followed and never had to be enforced. Or at least didn't affect the game, right? Let's start with fines, something like that, right? You take too long, 10 grand. Why? Because it doesn't affect the game and and doesn't affect me. <laughs> Players might, I doubt the CBA is going to be all in for that. It just, or like, you got to do push-ups or something. Like, just something that doesn't affect the game. That, that would be my ideal, and I know it's not possible. But, but if a game is decided because a guy, like, I don't know, wants to re- restrap up his batting glove, then I just watched, admittedly, a shorter game for no reason. And that's a bummer.
See, my my hope is that they do this so when you know come the the important games of the year toward the end, we won't be having this conversation. That it will just be something that's second nature to to the pitchers, to the hitters. That that I, I get it. I you know it's annoying as a baseball fan to see you know this is going to see how it affects the the batters mm-hmm. and, and the and the things, but. I think toward the end of the year and even maybe even in April or May, this is going to be a non-factor because they are implementing it now. And and I, I if it's anything like that's my hope. If anyway. it's anything like the NFL, then point of emphasis in preseason is always more stringently called than in the regular season. So maybe the umpires are like, you know, they'll let it slide during the regular season, or or they're being extra 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 strict right now. But I just, I just like, unless you're just not going to enforce it, which is always a possibility people are like, it's going to happen. Like there's going to be someone that gets lost in their own thoughts. Like again, imagine these situations, full count bases loaded game on the line. You're thinking about it. You have to be thinking about it. You, and you step out and go, all right, what, what, what the scouting report say? <sighs> all right. Scouting. What? What? Like that. It happens. Look at how long, look at how often in the NFL, the play clock goes out. It doesn't happen a ton, but you see a coach running up there calling timeout when it's on one. It happens enough that if that happened, like a baseball game, one play, like one swing. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And and, and Or you just tell the umpires to, to referee differently. We had this conversation about the NFL. Do you call like the, the hold in the first quarter the same as you do in the second half? I don't know. Could you tell a, an umpire like the first eight innings? If they're quick enough, the ninth inning can take a half hour. Two outs, up until two outs, everyone has to be fast. Once you playing with two outs, you can be you can take your time. I, I don't I don't like any of that. I don't like any of that. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio, ninety four point one. I want to ask this question in two ways about the pitch clock. Are you more likely to watch baseball now that it's ten to twelve percent faster? Or do you think it's ruined? That's the other way to ask it. Do you think do you think baseball is is fighting the wrong fight? 757-687-9494. That's the call in line. That's also the Dream Lawns text line. 757-687-9494. Sounds of the weekend coming up next. Sometimes you just have to hear it for yourself. It's the sounds of the weekend on the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. That's right. Sometimes you do just have to hear it for yourself. That's what we try to do every Monday for you here on the Tim Donnelly Show. This this next group of clips, the first group of clips, is going to illustrate something. College basketball, NBA basketball, they each have their strengths, right? Some do something better. Some do the other thing better. College basketball is much better at buzzer beaters. Much, much better at buzzer beaters. Uh, here's CBS on an Arizona buzzer beater. Three seconds left. No timeouts. Neal inbounds. Desmond Cambridge. Oh! He got it! He won it! Arizona State has done it! My goodness! Desmond Cambridge Jr. The Sun Devils have taken down number seven. It really is is funny uh, because I've. I, I mean, it was the Athletic. It was ESPN.com. It was a few. I've, I've read articles about uh, Arizona head coach Tommy Lloyd over the last few days. 
and everything was just acting like this guy walks on water. Like he, he was the one that started the unicorn craze in college basketball with the way he recruited European bigs to Gonzaga as an assistant coach from 10, 12, 13 years ago. And then I, I turn on the TV and I just see his, him getting his heart ripped out by in-state rival Arizona State on a buzzer beater. And I'm like, ah, you know what? You win some, you lose some. A lot of good press. Heartbreaking loss. Everybody gets brought down to size. Uh, Miami, speaking of heart being ripped out by an in-state rival, uh, had this from Florida State. Florida State, Worley, Cleveland for the win. It's good. Matthew Cleveland stuns Miami. Mm-mm-mm. I'm telling you, college basketball, they do buzzer beaters really, really well. And even if they're not winning buzzer beaters, they can just force overtime. And those are just as fun. Like this one from Hunter Dickinson of Michigan. Williams up top. Dickinson, dangerous pass. Dickinson at the horn. Did they have a microphone right next to the the net on that one? They did. Because because played again, just the the sound of it going through the basket is one of the most satisfying sounds on the planet. Williams up top, Dickinson, dangerous pass, Dickinson at the horn. That's fantastic. What are they? What's this? The sound like internet craze where people like listen to things. They're ASMR. Supposed to su- ASMR. If my ASMR is just buckets. A good swish. Oh, man, nothing better. If you give me like three dribbles, just doom, doom, doom. Then pause and quiet. That's fantastic. That's a really good sound right there. Uh, but I said college basketball does buzzer beaters better, right? They just, I, I don't even know. Like if they release it like a, a two or three tenths of a second after the, the buzzer, they'd probably go, you know what? They're celebrating. They're already storming the court. Let's let it rock. Uh, not in the NBA. Not in the NBA. It doesn't matter if Joel Embiid has 41 points. It doesn't matter if he was the best basketball player on the court the whole time. Uh, the Celtics get the win. Inbound to Smart. Bounce pass Tatum. Tatum puts up a three. Bang! Jason Tatum from downtown. 1.3 remaining. No timeouts left for Philadelphia. Check it. And B. We will review this last second shot after the rule. The rule on the floor was no basket. And the review upheld no basket. It was a 71-footer that would have won the game, and it was released probably about a tenth of a second too late. He had to take one more dribble because there was a guy standing there. First of all, why are you in, in, inbounded to Joel Embiid in the backcourt? Who knows? I guess they knew he was going to make the 71-footer. I just want to give a shout-out to Mike Breen, who was on the call there, because he did not throw bang. He he withheld it. That's his his signature, for those of you who don't know. His signature on big made buckets, really any three that's that's of, of note, is a loud bang, and he withheld it. He did, oh, no, and then and that's pretty good. It's good self-discipline from the broadcaster side of things. See, I'm, I'm a media nerd. I pay attention to those sorts of things. That's uh, okay. Thank you very much. On uh, Root Sport, Root Sports Net? Is that what it is? Sports? Just Root Sports. On Root Sports, yep. they had maybe the most exciting basketball moment of the weekend. Dame Lillard going for 71. 
Gives it back to Grant. Dame will sprint out on the sideline to get the rock. High dribble into the lane, running right-hander up and in. Damian Lillard with that runner. 71 points, a career high. Do you realize how crazy Dame Lillard is that when he scores 71, you have to clarify that it's a career high? There's only eight people in the history of the NBA to score 70-plus points. And you're like, did he do it before? Is this his career high? Yep. By the way, in his last, what, 13 games, he's had a 40-burger, a 50-burger, a 60-burger, and a 70-burger. Pretty pretty darn good. Guy's pretty underrated. Portland's pretty lucky that he's pretty loyal. Pretty impressive stuff. Dame Lillard, we're going to talk about him more later on. But 71 points in a game? If you go back to, I mean, not forever ago, two decades, 04, 05, the Pistons were holding teams under 80, like, consistently. Teams. Dame Lillard had 71. Donovan Mitchell did it earlier this year. We are in an era of shot making. We are also in the era of the XFL. Third third iteration? Is that what we're calling it? XFL 3.0? Yes, that's right. The third iteration of the XFL. And De'Eric King, remember that name? Starring. De'Eric King, he's been effective. Keeps it himself, trying to find a scene. Nobody brings him down. Touchdown, D.C. Defenders. Not kick extra points in the XFL. You go for one, two, or three. You do one from the two-yard line. Here's King. Dancing, and he is in there. Extra point is good. He's the Mr. Do-It-All of the D.C. Defenders. XFL. I, I don't play that to, to you know, get you jacked up about the XFL. I play it to say this. De'Eric King is one of the huge success stories of NIL in college. Right? He got hurt. He was the, the quarterback at Miami. He cashed a bunch of money. He started a business. Now he's in the XFL, and, and I don't know how much you're aware of. Not a lucrative deal in the XFL. It's good money, not great money. It's not the life-changing money of the NFL. So it's probably pretty good that he was able to cash in when he was his most popular, right, at Houston transitioning to Miami in college. That's what the NIL is designed to protect, guys that get hurt in college and otherwise would not have a way to to monetize at all when when their bodies were put on the line for a team are now able to make a little little cash and now he's making a little cash and or probably again it's good money not great money he's making money in the xfl but he was also able to capitalize that's the goal that's what name image and likeness is for i'm tired of hearing like trevor lawrence would have gotten paid anyway i'm like yeah there are not many trevor lawrence's out there what about the all the guys that don't go to the nfl maybe even the guys that don't go to the xfl they could still cash a little coinage. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. That is sounds of the weekend because sometimes you just have to hear it for yourself. When we come back, Dimitri Ravanos of uh, Barrett Sports Media, he's a media consultant. Uh, he wrote an article uh, that I saw. It, it, it's titled, Has Sports Given Television Too Much Power? And I thought that was an interesting conversation. So we're going to ask him that question coming up next. Don't worry. This is a safe space. No one follows baseball's unwritten rules here. This is the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Connecting with us on the phone lines, Dimitri Ravanos, media consultant at Barrett Sports Media. You can follow him on Twitter at Dimitri Ravanos. Uh, Dimitri, thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear 
the motivation behind your article that you wrote and, and came out earlier today. Uh, it's it's entitled "Has Sports Given Television Too Much Power?" So uh, why is is it just because we're seeing the pitch clock, or is there other things in sports that are leading you to kind of question the the media's drive on, on sports in general? Yeah, I mean, listen, the pitch clock I think is the most significant. Uh, piece of evidence we have ever had in any sport. And I'll preface this by saying I'm not a baseball fan at all. (laughs) I wasn't watching before there was a pitch clock. I'm not going to be watching after there is a pitch clock. So keep that in mind as I say this, but like, I mean, Tim, you're a college football guy too, Mm -hmm. right? Rutgers and UCLA now have a storied conference rivalry simply because Fox wants it that way. Like that is a measure of TV's influence. The fact that we still have, uh, an NBA play-in tournament, even after the uh, economic uncertainty around the pandemic. That is because ESPN wants it to be that way. Uh, NBC wanted more scoring when they took over the NHL television contract. So what happened? They made the goalies pad smaller and they eliminated the two-line pass rules, or I guess relaxed the two-line pass rules, to create a faster, higher-scoring game. Like, I don't think it is necessarily always a bad thing. I just think that when you look at, again, the most significant piece of evidence here, the pitch clock, that has fundamentally altered what it is a lot of people that love baseball fell in love with. Is it is baseball actually hurting that bad, or is it just pure greed, right? I'm seeing them make all these moves to appease the, the television contracts or, or look for more money in television contracts. Meanwhile, Manny Machado is making $350 million on an 11-year contract. Are they they... Do they need the TV to to be more interested to pay those contracts, or is it just we have a lot and we want even more? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, both, <laughs> both are true. I mean, they definitely want more money, but the bigger thing, I don't know so much that it is TV. I think it's just a matter of cultivating a younger fan base. Remember, of the four major U.S. sports, this is far and away the oldest average audience, and Mark Cuban pointed this out one time. It is absurd that the sport that is most built, like most uh, uh, caters most perfectly to the TikTok model, has such a old audience by comparison. I think that one of the things that they recognize, that frankly every league should recognize, is like I've got an 11-year-old son. He is not sitting down for three hours to watch anything, no matter how exciting it is. Unless, you know, he is plopped down in a movie theater and cannot leave. Like, that is what sports is up against in the future. And if you are growing up in a time when you have parents like my age, early 40s, telling you, ah, this is boring, I don't want to watch this anyway, like, that's a really big uphill climb for baseball. It, but but is that generation sitting down for a two-hour game? The pitch clock isn't going to make it like into you know 15 minutes of, of social media content. It's still going to be a long game by those those standards. No, that's a good point. They are not sitting down for a two-hour game necessarily, but we've seen this. Like, I live in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. We have the Durables down the road. You have uh, the Norfolk Tides around where you are. We have seen the pitch clock for a few years at the AAA level, and it does make attending a game a little bit more pleasant. And so I think this is a matter of if things are a little bit easier to – Uh, access in that way. If it is not your entire night going to see a baseball game, that works on the attendance level. And then on the television side of things, if you can shorten your average runtime from three and a half hours to two hours and 45 minutes, hey, suddenly there's a lot of extra time that can be sold for commercials in there.
We're talking with Dimitri Ravanos, media consultant, Barrett Sports Media. Uh, you mentioned you're, you're a college football guy. I am as well. The realignment, obviously television-driven in, in many ways all across the, the sport. How long until a, a Power 5 conference comes asking for ODU? Uh, like I, I can make the pitch, right? We're, <laughs> we're market 45 in the country. We're bigger than New Orleans, bigger than Memphis. We're the no pro teams to compete with in the market. Aren't our eyeballs worth it and valuable, the Fox and ESPN and CBS and whoever else? I mean, I guess the counter argument to that is that Virginia and Virginia Tech already have a head start, and they are a power conference team hmm. simply by virtue of having been for decades at this point. I, I think that we are probably going to be moving away from market size being what matters in college football, and that probably play, uh, plays to ODU's advantage. And frankly, ODU, James Madison, Marshall, when they hmm. all joined the Sun Belt, man – that was as smart of a move for their long-term health as any program in the country made. Because, yeah, the, the Sun Belt has a large footprint from West Virginia all the way over to Texas. It's, it's bananas. But it is broken up into two divisions where you have some natural geographic rivalries. Conference USA is on life support. The American is going to eventually be on life support. The Sun Belt figured out that if you are going to have this sea to shining sea footprint, you need to build it around some natural rivalries that fans care about. It's not just, you know, James Madison and ODU being so geographically close to one another. It is Appalachian State and Georgia Southern have a longstanding rivalry from their days in the FCS, I, I think that, sure, every school wants to be a power conference team, but if you're not a power conference team, man, ODU is exactly in the best possible G5 conference at this point. Dimitri Ravanos, Barrett Sports Media, connecting with us here on the phone line. Uh, just just a few more minutes, uh, Dimitri. I, this is kind of a, an abstract question, but I'm hoping you can help me out with it. Is yeah. Are there really that many people just complaining about watching sports? We're seeing the pitch clocks. We're seeing the realignment. Uh, Live Golf keeps telling us they're going to fix everything the PGA does wrong with their broadcasts. <laughs> like, am I, am I the only one that that's enjoying sports and not complaining? I think that it is a combination of a couple of things. Number one, every broadcaster knows we are in this crazy time of transition in the media business right now. I mean, look at how much money ESPN has sunk into ESPN Plus that NBC has sunk into Peacock. And none of those streaming services are making money yet, but you can't really be without them. I think everybody is trying to um, outsmart the future, I guess, sort of alluding back to what we talked about, about the age of Major League Baseball's average audience. I think the uh, other part of this is are people openly complaining about it? I don't know, but sports ratings are down across the board, and that's not, except for the NFL, which is the <laughs> grand exception to everything. Uh, and that's not really something that these networks account for when they sign these big contracts, right? When they sign these big rights fees agreements, because they are the only thing uh, that generate live television audiences. I, I think that. Whether or not enough people are complaining, not enough people are still tuning in to justify the literally billions of dollars that networks spend every year. Dimitri, we appreciate you for taking the time to jump on. It's uh, something we'll continue monitoring because I want to keep watching sports, and I think that's that's doing both, right? That's monitoring it and just enjoying my, my time. So uh, There you go. Th thanks for taking the time. Yes, be good to my guy, Robbie, by the way. Oh, we, we, will, we will do. We'll make sure. We'll watch out for him. <laughs> All right, boys, thanks. 
once again, check out uh, Dimitri's article. It's at Barrett Sports Media. Uh, you Google it. It's entitled, um, basically, or it's talking about, basically, television's impact on all the changes in sports. And it's and it's fascinating coming from a guy that is that is deep on that side of the business. Again, Barrett Sports Media. Check it out. In the meantime, one of the guys that might be driving all those changes, uh, the owner of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, is reportedly blocked from bidding on the Washington Commanders by none other than Dan Snyder. What the heck is going on in Washington? We'll try to sort it out coming up.